Today is Wednesday, the 17th of March, and we're continuing our discussion as we learn together about this higher Christian life and how we can come into more of a vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit, receiving after asking more of Him today. We've been looking this week at um, some Christian heroes of old because I wanted to build a foundation to show you that the phenomena that I'm sharing with you is not some present tense, current Pentecostal kind of thing that sometimes gets twisted and abused, but the experience of this filling of the Holy Spirit, this higher Christian life called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the deeper life or the inner life actually came into its fruition during the Philadelphia church age 150, 175, 200 years ago by the men and women that we deem heroes of the faith today. A week ago Tuesday at Bible study, I shared the testimony of Charles Finney, who was instrumental in beginning the Second Great Awakening, as Jonathan Edwards was the First Great Awakening in our nation, and about the experience he had with a filling subsequent to salvation, a baptism he called of the Holy Spirit. On Sunday, and then again on Monday, I gave you an in-depth testimony from his own words of Dwight L. Moody before and after the Great Chicago Fire when he received the power of the Holy Spirit that he didn't think he even needed, but two ladies had been praying for him for that power, and he almost quoted the words of Finney where he said the waves of love were so great that he basically told the Lord, if you don't stay your hand, I will surely die. And if you remember, D.L. Moody said that the sermons were the same. There was no new truth that was given, but hundreds and hundreds of people got saved because he was preaching under the unction of the Holy Spirit that had empowered him not for as a deposit and a guarantee of his salvation, as Ephesians talks about, but empowered him for ministry. Yesterday, we read the testimony of Oswald Chambers, the man who penned my utmost for his highest. I personally read that book every single year and have done so for the past 20 or 30 years because of the profound spiritual truth that this man who died at the age of 43 in Cairo, Egypt, of a ruptured appendix, the depth of his spiritual understanding the Holy Spirit gave him awes me even today. But today, last day we're going to do this this week, I want to share with you the testimony of one more man. And this man happens to have have had the most profound, long-lasting impact in my life than anyone I possibly know. I, I stumbled upon his books when I was young in the Lord, and they absolutely overwhelmed me. And this man, of course, is Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray was a South African pastor, actually from Scotland, and went to South Africa for his ministry. He was born in 1828 and died just four months before his 89th birthday in 1917, and he penned some of the most incredible books ever. Many of these you will recognize. He was a devotional writer. He had damage to his hands, and so most of his books were actually verbally transcribed by somebody else. But he wrote the book, Abide in Christ, this 31-day devotional that I have gone through 
dozens of times in my life learning how to just trust and run and rest in him. One of my favorite books that I go through every single year, I'm going through it currently right now as a daily devotional, is Absolute Surrender. How do we yield ourselves 100% to the Lord? Because it's only through absolute surrender that this higher life takes place where God picks up where we can't. Another book that has made a big impact in my life by Andrew Murray is called With Christ in the School of Prayer. He wrote a book on divine healing. He wrote a book on the ministry of intercession, on what it means to be truly humble. His books are not theological treaties or commentaries on these various issues. They're very, very devotional. But how did Andrew Murray become Andrew Murray? How did Andrew Murray develop this kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit? Was he born this way? Did he have something that we don't have? Is God truly a respecter of persons? Or did Andrew Murray experience something that is waiting for you and I to experience once we come to a realization of our need in him? I want to share with you just today, again, to build a foundation and let you know that the path that's coming before you, the path that you're traveling on has been traveled by so many others, from John Bunyan to Amy Carmichael to Oswald Chambers to so many other people, to Spurgeon and Moody, that it's simply waiting for you also to believe and trust and surrender. At one of the Keswick Conventions, in the late 1800s, and I will explain in probably next week more about a Keswick Convention. I know I've introduced that topic to you on Sunday, but we'll cover more of that in detail. But at one of these conventions, he gave his testimony, and I want to read his testimony to you now as an encouragement, because what happened to Andrew Murray can also happen to you and me if we simply yield and surrender and trust, and here's the hard part, and wait until God decides to bless. Here's what he says. So you have heard, said Andrew Murray, how I have pressed upon you the two stages of the Christian life. This is the theology behind it. And the step from one to the other. It's a normal life. It's a apathetic life. It's the kind of life that we're probably living now, up and down and down and up and two steps forward and two steps back. It's, it's being a, a six, a seven, eight, an eight versus being a 10 and tomorrow 11 and the next day a 12. And so he's talking about these two levels of the Christian life that you and I have both experienced and how to move from one level to another. Here's what he says. The first 10 years of my spiritual life was manifestly spent at the lower stage. I was a minister, and I must say as zealous and earnest as and happy in my work as anyone as far as the love of the work was concerned. Yet all the time, all the time there was a burning in my heart, a dissatisfaction and a restlessness that was inexpressible. What's the reason? I had never learned with all my theology that obedience was possible, or if I may add, the overcoming life in Christ, the victory over sin is possible. Here's what he says. My justification was as clear as noonday. I knew the hour in which I received from God the joy of pardon. 
I remember in my little room how I used to sit and think, what's the matter? Here I am, knowing that God has justified me by the blood of Christ, but I have no power for service. My thoughts, my words, my actions, my unfaithfulness, everything troubled me. Though all around me there were more earnest of men, my life was one of deep dissatisfaction. I struggled and I prayed the best I could. He continued, One day I was talking with a missionary. I do not think that he knew much about the power of sanctification himself, or he would have admitted it, but we were talking, and he saw my earnestness, and he said this, Brother, remember that when God puts a desire in your heart, he will fill it. Please take that to heart today. If you have a desire for a deeper relationship with him, the testimonies of these men have indicated that their desire was all met by Christ on his terms. This statement is so true and profound in our faith that if God puts a desire in your heart, and I'm praying that he has, he will fulfill it. Andrew says, that helped me. I thought about it a hundred times. I want to say the same to you who are plunging about and struggling in the quagmire of helplessness and doubt. The desire that God puts in your heart, he will fulfill. Well, God helped me. For For seven or eight years, I went on, always inquiring, always seeking, and always getting. Seven or eight years. Then came about 1870, the Great Holiness Movement. The letters that appeared in the revival, now called the Christian, touched my heart, and I was in close fellowship with what took place at Oxford and Brighton, and it really helped me. This is, of course, in England and Scotland, some of the places that revival had broken out that led, of course, to the Keswick Convention. Perhaps if I were to talk of consecration, I might tell you of an evening there was in my own study in Cape Town, yet I cannot say that it was my deliverance for I was still struggling. Later on, my mind became much exercised about, here's that phrase we're afraid of, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I gave myself to God as perfectly as I could to receive the baptism of the Spirit. Yet there was failure. God forgive it. It was somehow as if I could not get what I wanted. Through all of those stumblings, God led me without any very special experience to the point to, as I look back, I do believe now that he was giving me more and more of his blessed spirit, but I just didn't know any better. Please understand, you're not seeking an experience. You're seeking him. Let me go on. I can help you more, perhaps, by speaking not of any marked experience, but by telling you very simply what I think God has given me now, in contrast to the first 10 years of my life. And what he's going to describe here is what this baptism of the Holy Spirit, what this higher Christian life gives those people who embrace it. Here's what he says. In the first place, I have learned to place myself before God every day as a vessel to be filled with his Holy Spirit. If you remember, Moody said that we are leaky vessels and we have to stay up under the fountain every day because the Spirit has a tendency of oozing out of us by our sin and our thought life. Murray confirms that. He goes on, he has filled me with the blessed assurance that he is the everlasting God has guaranteed his work in me. 
If there is one lesson I am learning day by day, it is this, that it is God who works all in all. Oh, that I could help any brother or sister realize this. You will ask me, Murray says, are you satisfied? Have you got all you want? God forbid. With the deepest feelings of my soul, I can say that I am satisfied with Jesus now. But there is always the consciousness of how much fuller the revelation can be of the exceeding abundance of his grace. Never let us hesitate to say, this is only the beginning. When we are brought into the holiest of all, we are only beginning to take our right position with the Father. In other words, no matter how close you are to him now, his grace and his mercy are inexhaustible. There is so much more for us if we simply believe and strive and surrender to him. Murray had no power. Then because of an utter heart surrender on his part, God Almighty took over. Prior to that, he had no fruitfulness, but he learned to abide in the vine like it talks about in John 15, and by implicit obedience and not by feelings, resting in God, God produced the fruit in his life. He had no satisfaction with his spiritual life, and he learned that the Holy Spirit always satisfies the longing of a hungry soul. Sometimes... We view testimonies like this and we realize, well, that's only because good things happened to him. That's only because he was blessed. In 1895, Amy Carmichael, who's another person who experienced this also, a missionary in Japan, I'm sure you've heard her name, had to come back to England in order for some medical treatment to take place, and she got an opportunity to meet Andrew Murray. And when she met Andrew Murray, she met him right after something very painful and very traumatic and very hurtful happened to him. And so she was wondering, after reading his books and hearing about this abiding life in Christ, this filling of the Holy Spirit, how he would respond to tragedy. Is his faith real? Is his commitment to Christ genuine, or will he waffle like so many Christians do? Here's what she says, that he was quiet for a while with his Lord, and then he wrote these words for himself. This is what Andrew Murray wrote in the thrones of pain and suffering and sorrow. Listen very carefully. First, he says, God brought me here. It is by his will I am in this straight place. In that fact, I will rest. He acknowledged God's sovereignty. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace to behave as his child. Again, that's God's sovereignty and always giving us the grace we need when we need it the most. Then he will make the trial a blessing. This is Romans 8.28, teaching me the lessons he intends me to learn and working in me the grace he means to bestow. Last, in his good time, again, God's sovereignty, he can bring me out again. How and when? He knows. Let me say I am here, one, by God's appointment, two, in his keeping, three, under his training, and four, for his time. For his time. How do we live a life like that? How do we shine during trials and tribulation that will befall all mankind and still serve a loving God even during times that seem unfair to us? How do we embrace 
this higher Christian life. In one of his books called The Secret of Adoration, Andrew Murray, and I will close with this, lays out for us what we need to do to maintain the fullness of the Spirit in our life. Listen very carefully as I read this. He says, take time. Give God time to reveal himself to you. Give yourself time to be silent and quiet before him, waiting to receive through the Spirit the assurance of his presence with you, his power working in you. Take time to read his word as it is his presence, that from it you may know what he asks of you and what he promises you. Let the word create around you, create within you a holy atmosphere, a holy heavenly light in which your soul will be refreshed and strengthened for the work of daily life. This is called the abiding life. This is called the resting life. This is abiding ourselves, resting ourselves with Christ, being attached as a branch to the vine, John 15, taking our nutrients from the vine, which is Christ, and bearing fruit that belongs to the vine, Christ, for the glory of the Father. It is the abundant life. It is the higher Christian life. And together, together we're going to move into that realm where we will experience him in ways we can't imagine. I do hope this is a blessing for you today. And I do hope that you serve this day drawing closer to him and letting your mind free up to the possibility that maybe, just maybe, and I promise you there is, there's more to this Christian life than you've experienced. And if so, let that be the passion and hunger of your heart. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about some practical steps that we need to take in order to prepare our heart to receive this blessing. But until then, have a great day.